TML Talk, and we are back with another special Toronto Marlies playoff episode. I am your host, Chris Lund, and joining me for these Marlies, I guess, segments, episodes, whatever you want to call them, is the voice of the Toronto Marlies, Mr. Todd Crocker. Todd, how are you today? Uh, good, uh, despite where the series lies. Uh, still in a positive state. That's a, f- a fair point, and obviously we haven't had a chance to talk since uh, the Albany series played itself out, so I wanted to touch on that before we really get rolling here on the Hershey Bears I think we can both safely say that in a perfect world, the Toronto Marlies facing the Albany Devils is either an Eastern Conference final, if not a Calder Cup final. Uh, if you were to go in a, in a world of justice and, and idealism, I thought it was an incredible series. There was a real contrast in style between the teams. Obviously, Albany kind of plays that vintage New Jersey style where they really like to grind you out, grind you down. Uh, the Marlies are kind of that more up-tempo possession team that want to want right. to get the puck off your stick and get going the other way. What what? How do you just characterize that seven game series? Because it seemed like there were just so many ups and downs and, and all these things going on. I think if there weren't geographical implications uh, to you know teams playing each other and where they had to play, uh, I think you'd look at that as a as a Calder Cup final, and that's how competitive it was. That's how good the hockey was. That's how uh, the battle went over the seven uh, games. Everything was uh, inch by inch. It was not a situation where it was uh, some team all of a sudden you know grabbed a hold of it and walked away. Uh, Albany wouldn't let it go. Then Toronto wouldn't let it go. And and testament to the fact that it came down to that final goal. And it was just. Uh, uh, when you look at at how good they are, it's a shame they went out in the second round. It, I couldn't couldn't agree more. Albany, I feel like probably deserved to play a bit later. Way in better the fate, yeah, much better. In, in terms of things being deserved, though, I thought you touched on that final goal. How how special is it just for a guy like Rich Clune to be the guy to send you through to the conference final? Well, Rich Clune has just been a pillar. Uh, here and maybe that's a cliche to say that but uh, he, he's one of those guys that uh, you build a foundation on uh, over the course of a year and you don't have sometimes much more than a year in the American League to do that you you can't have players that you know last uh, in terms of generational uh, and for the American League generational is the next year mm-hmm. uh, lots of teams have guys that are two-year three-year guys you know you look at the penguins the wilkesbury penguins they got tom katsopoulos and he's you know he's a generational guy but for sure do those guys exist everywhere and can be that good everywhere for that long no so you know you you look at a guy like rich clune and you build him as your pillar this year and a guy like andrew campbell and you know these are the guys that you say okay today you know this year we're building our foundation based on on these guys and to see a guy who's a foundation guy uh, end up with a game winner, a, a guy who's, you know, I don't think anybody's going to say Rich Clune is uh, Willie Nylander out there with the puck. Uh, I don't think uh, that's the case, and he knows it too. And But he's he's got uh, some deceptive abilities that people don't often pay attention to because they only see him as a one-dimensional player. It's not true. He's got some good speed. Uh, he has increasingly become better this year handling the puck. I think you see that uh, in his final stretch of, say, 10 games. 
and and I think Rich Clune, you know, kind of is the guy in that seven game series who deserves a, a game winner uh, in in that mix. And if there was a guy on the other side who who might have deserved that, uh, it, it might have been uh, Joseph Blandisi, who who was a guy who was a foundational guy for them uh, as, as much as, you know, kind of a, in terms of American Hockey League, a bit of a new guy. But uh, uh, he, he was a guy who you thought, oh, you know, if something's going to happen here, that would be as much of a story for them as Rich Gloom was for us. And I think you were spot on there. And I, I think especially for the casual fan now who's, who's more turning, tuning into the Marlies, now that we've hit the playoffs later in the year, they know him more as that kind of NHL-level enforcer type, and they don't necessarily realize you know, the type of mentor role he's played all year and what he oh. means to guys uh, on this team, top to bottom on the roster. He's really been just a – when you talk about a glue guy, he, he is kind of the consummate example of that for this group. Yeah, he is. He's uh, – you know, he, there's a lot to like about him. He's a uh, he's character, for one, so – uh, that endears him to the fans, and I more and more that's becoming less and less mm-hmm. in, in the world of sports. There are less rich clunes and uh, and a lot more cliches uh, in interviews. And and yeah, I, I know that there's a lot of control of message, and that's important maybe. Uh, but sometimes I think it's there's too much importance put on it. I think having a guy like Rich Clune answer unusual questions in interviews sometimes drives opponents nuts too mm-hmm. uh the fact that you can't control it well that you know that's <laughs> that becomes a little bit more difficult uh but i always appreciate talking to rich you will when i interview him after games or or i interview him on practice days because uh, he has an open honesty uh about things and and nothing occurs to him to to say anything but what he sees is accurate and you know, as somebody who interviews people as part of my job, I appreciate it. Absolutely. Obviously, he scores that goal about two and a half minutes left to go in that Game 7 against the Albany Devils to send the Toronto Marlies through to the conference final where they are now taking on the Hershey Bears. It goes without saying, the series hasn't started the way the Marlies had hoped. You have a tough back-to-back to open the series in Hershey on a Friday, Saturday night. You come, you come away, you come back to Toronto in an 0-2 hole. That said, I think that the Marlies and just the general sense talking to the team and the coaching staff is they felt much more comfortable about their performance in game two, and there's a lot to to like about going forward, especially with four home games left on the slate. I think they hope that game one doesn't come back to bite them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that more than anything is probably uh, in the back of the minds, not maybe of the Marlies, but certainly it is, it's in the back of my mind, is that uh, that game was a game that, that – if it were on the regular season schedule, you wouldn't watch the video of it. You wouldn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. It was a miscue. It was a misfire. Uh, it was not indicative of the Marley's ability and uh, and work ethic. Uh, and that's not to take away from the Bears. They were uh, quite good uh, in that game. And maybe even to the point where uh, the Marley's were surprised by it to say where'd that come from uh but if you look at them in the playoffs and what they've done over the previous 12 games in the playoffs they were getting good goaltending and that was something you know they hadn't received consistent goaltending there were nights when their goaltending looked just fabulous um and there were nights when it looked less than average so consistency was a real problem for them uh in goal and then uh, you know all of a sudden playoffs start and it's not a problem anymore and you've got a team that's as as good as this Toronto club 
as rounded, as deep as this Toronto club, and they're getting excellent goaltending. Well, um, that's not a surprise that they're up 2-0, especially with two home games to start out the series. That's not ideal for the Marlies, for anybody. But if you're going to put in an effort that the Marlies put in in that first game, better have it out on the road than at home. Absolutely. Obviously, the Marlies returning home for Game 3 on Wednesday night at Rico Coliseum. It's going to be a tough slog going forward. Not just, obviously, the Hershey Bears, when you look at them on paper, the first guy who jumps out of you is Chris Bork. He's, he's one of the best players, if not the best player in the American League. But really where they seem to be getting a lot of work done is that bottom six and how and the work they're putting in against the Marlies. Uh, I, I guess how would you characterize the effort the Bears have put forth through two games? Uh, I think commitment. Uh, they, they, they're committed to their structure. I, I think the, there's an advantage that lies to the team that is the lower seed. Uh, especially, I think the advantage is huge, actually, to play that those two home games and be the lower seed. Uh, I think what it says to you is we better take, you know, we better take care of this now because uh, this team, when they look across the ice, has the ability to hurt you. And, and Albany found that out in those uh, in games four and five, where they were just overwhelmed. And, and uh, they they were surprised that all of a sudden this Marley's team showed up that uh, hadn't really reared its scoring head previously in the series. And so uh, you keep expecting that to happen a little bit, I think, during a game. Uh, certainly you expected at the end of the first period, the Marley's uh, in that first one, it looked pretty good. But you expected them to turn it up to the next level in that second or third period, and they didn't. And, uh, and then they come out in the second game, and play lights out the way they can play. Maybe, maybe, a, maybe a, a little shy of it, but not much. And uh, so, uh, you know, they get a bad goal that goes in. Um, you know, the, the Garrett Sparks, I'm sure, would uh, you know every single day like to say, "I'd like to take that back and and have a redo." He challenged the puck in a in a way you don't often see him doing that. Um, you know, I haven't seen oft, often doing over the last three years. I, uh, and then the other one goes in off Andrew Campbell, uh, off his leg. Well, you know, that's okay to get goals. Like, they still count. Mm -hmm. So that's maybe something that the Marlies look at as, uh, you know, going into this third game that they say, let's just put them on the uh, near the goal, by the goal. Not everyone has to go top corner, top shelf, calling it a day, making it look sure. pretty highlight reel. Uh, although that's kind of how they score goals. Yeah, so, you're not wrong. You know, it, <laughs> I'm not exactly sure if that's the best advice in the world. Uh, uh, you know, they've scored 294 goals in the regular season, and a lot of them were like that. Uh, talking to Sheldon Keefe about this earlier today, just the, the amount of time it takes to adjust to a new opponent. He, he cited the Albany series and said by the end of Game 3, they had a good sense of the team and what they had to do to get wins. And I think we saw that reflected in those big results in Game 4 and 5 when the Marlies really kind of went, went pole to pole with it and, and put up big scoring totals. Yeah. If you circle this Game 3 coming up on Wednesday night, as just a pivotal moment in the series for the Marlies to not only build on a much better effort in Game Two and, and get a win, do you do you think that that could really turn the tides? Especially, I mean, you know, if say this game goes the distance, four of those games are going to be played in Toronto versus uh, a hostile Hershey building. Yeah. The, the game Three goes without saying down to nothing, but really seems to be a, a massive kind of call to action for the Marlies. Um, yeah, I, absolutely. Uh, there's uh, nobody wants to be down three three nothing it's uh 
It's a hole that uh, historically nobody climbs out of. You know, statistically, nobody climbs out of it. Mm-hmm. I know people have, obviously, and, and teams have, but not really. Like, you know, in the grand world of analytics or statistics or however that works, it's such a small number that it's not a number yeah. or however that works. I don't know, but it's the truth. It's very difficult. Um, you have to have every bit of luck roll your way in the next four games after that. There is no opportunity to make even the slightest mistake. So you take a look at game number two, and it's thrown to a coin toss in overtime. That's because that's what overtime is when you get to this point. It's uh, it's not the best team that wins. You have the two best teams in the conference already in it. So it's not the best team wins. They are the best teams. So it becomes who gets the play that happens to open something up and somebody makes a mistake and boom, you know, pucks in the back of the net, you win the game. It's a coin toss at this time of year. It's not a coin toss if you go into overtime against some opponent that was hanging with you for 60 minutes and was struggling to keep up and then you take over in a five-minute three-on-three overtime. We're talking about we're talking about a, a veritable 50-50. And uh, so I, uh, I, you can't have that if you go down 3 nothing, You can't have a 50-50 situation coming into game six trying to uh, even it up at three apiece. It's, it's, it's just a really uh, difficult proposition. The uh, this this game is uh, although not elimination has a level of desperation that this Marlies club hasn't faced this year. On that note, you've watched this team a lot. You've literally spent more minutes watching the Toronto Marlies than anybody pretty much outside of the the hockey department. Yeah. Uh, how do you expect them to respond? Because to this point, especially from a more outside perspective, they've risen to more or less every challenge they've come across this season. I expect them to rise to it. I expect them to. Uh, I expect them to jump into this one uh, with a level of uh, execution, level of structured play, and a level of enthusiasm and energy that um, I, I think should carry the day. Uh, you know, will, skill, whatever you want to say. When you uh, when you have a team down to nothing, um, you, like the Hershey Bears have the Marlies at the moment. You got to be some kind of team to keep your foot on the gas because the other team has nothing but going downhill at top speed here to uh, to come at you. They, there is literally nothing to lose uh, here for the Toronto Marlies to just go for everything they've got. If they've got the players that are invested, which is I got to tell you at this time of year is a really difficult proposition. The mental side of this game in the in this league. You know, you're not battling for a childhood dream here of winning the Stanley Cup. You're you're battling for a championship, and that's the toughest thing to tell some of the young guys. You may never see another championship opportunity again sure. like this. In your entire, I have seen very few of them in my 18 years in the American Hockey League, uh, covering the American Hockey League. I've uh, been a part of very few of them. So to to say you've got a span of say four or five years in the American Hockey League that you might play here or maybe even two and three to get an opportunity to go to a championship and win a championship anytime you can do that in hockey you should invest everything you can in it because they don't come around very often 100% and and taking that view going forward are there any players that come to your mind when you think of a guy who could really tip the scale one way or the other as we as we get into these three very important home dates yeah absolutely William Nylander 
uh, William Nylander can can throw this team on his offensive back and and make some things happen. That and he save a couple of great saves by Justin Peters. Uh, you know, it could have been four nothing at the end of one the the other day. Uh, so you know, William Nylander is is a player that can change the pace of a game. He has the ability to make plays that really emotionally destroy the other team. There are moments, and conversely, when that goaltender makes a save, it's just one of those, wow, it can really bump him up too because, uh, you know, he has the skill to to do those kinds of things. So William Nylander, I think, is, is that player. And Mark Arcabello is that player as well. I think when Mark Arcabello is uh, is on his game and he's uh, firing along, I think he's a game changer guy. Uh, you know, he proved that throughout the year, and I, I and I think if those two are at their best, uh, they're pretty tough to shut down. Justin Peters certainly no stranger to stellar playoff performances in the no. city of Toronto. When you think back to his time with the St. Mike's Majors, absolutely right. Still, still found very, uh, very high up on the list. If you look at historical OHL yeah. league leaders and, and all-time great playoffs, so kudos to him through two games. He's he's been a tough nut to crack and tough, tough to beat guys like that. And that's why Toronto is a tough place to win hockey games, and you know because Justin Peters comes in, he's gonna have people here that are cheering for him, mm-hmm. and he knows it. So that's that's the one of the tougher parts about you know do we have many guys in Pennsylvania that uh, in, in the Hershey area <laughs> that that come to see him yeah TJ's Brennan TJ Brennan's parents were there and you know a couple other guys you know they're you know there but it's not like Toronto people come here and and suddenly uh, out of the woodwork come thirty relatives so it's uh, that presents a different kind of challenge guys are up to play the game when they come here. And that certainly works on both sides of the fence as well yeah. when you consider how raucous the crowds have been to this point in the playoffs at Rico Coliseum. And obviously we implore everybody listening to this, if you are in the greater Toronto area, if you're from Northern Ontario, wherever, if you can get down to Rico Coliseum and see the Toronto Marlies play. Now's well, your chance. Now's your chance because we, we don't know how long this run is going to last. We've, yeah. That's the beauty of playoff hockey. It can stop at any moment. Yeah. Get your tickets. Head over to marleys.ca and pick up your tickets. Game 3 goes May 25th at 7.30 p.m. at Rico Coliseum. Rico Coliseum, again, marleys.ca. May 27th, 7.30 p.m. at Rico Coliseum. Friday night, what better way to spend your Friday night than on the exhibition grounds watching Marley's hockey? And if Sunday afternoon is more to your liking, Game 5, and if we're going to call it now, why not? It's going to go to Game 5. Uh, May 29th at 3 p.m. Rico Coliseum. Again, marleys.ca for your tickets. Pick them up. It's been an excellent atmosphere for every yeah. game this oh, far. It's been terrific. If you think back to Game 7 against Albany, that might be the single loudest Toronto Marleys game in, in Best game history. I've ever seen here. That Best was... game I've ever seen here from the opposition side of it or the, or the Marley side of it. That was just the best crowd I've ever seen here. Tremendous. It was absolutely incredible. You can be part of that too. Head over to Marley's.ca, pick up your tickets. And if you're one of our one of our long-distance fans, obviously I know we have people listening to this thing all over the world, all over Canada, all over the United States. Thank you for your patronage, of course. But yeah. uh, if you can't watch it, tune in on TSN 50 or Marley's.ca. We have Mr. Crocker here on the call with Bob McGill. And uh, for those of you who have access to TSN 2, tune in. Uh, the Marley's will be broadcast throughout this Eastern Conference final. Coast to coast. 
And my last request of you, head over to Twitter, head over to Instagram, head over to wherever you interact with the internet and follow Mr. Todd Crocker at Hockey Croc. He is your one-stop shop for all Toronto Marley's news. He's the ultimate Toronto Marley's insider. He literally <laughs> rides the bus, people. He's, he's there all the time. And I implore all of you to, to stay tuned to his great work. And with that, we've, uh, we've got a, a series left to play. We've come to the end of this podcast, but not the end of the series. Absolutely not. And I look forward to, to doing a new one uh, in Let's the near future, so. talking about what a miraculous comeback it was and how the Marlies are looking to close it out in game six. That'd be great. It would be wonderful. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We appreciate your patronage. And with that, we'll be back in the very near future with a new episode, Marley's Playoff Edition of Team Hall Talk. Thanks for listening.